This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates as we debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, frauds, scams, and multi-level marketing. Join us all month for cult stories, education, and experiences. Don't be culty, huns. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. I hope you are enjoying the shift in focus for the month. We're talking about cults. We got a lot of stuff coming up. I'm really excited. We are going to stick to a little bit more evangelical content before switching over to Scientology, just so that all of our minds can like stay on task and focus and not hop back and forth. <laughs> it's tough enough for me. I couldn't even imagine being a listener and being like, wait, what? Huh? So we're just going to try to keep it as easy as possible. We have a couple more evangelical episodes coming up, including the one you're going to hear today. I absolutely adore this woman. She is so incredible. If you have seen either of the Hillsong docs, she is featured in both. She's on Instagram. She's hilarious. And I am so proud to call her my friend. You're going to get to meet her in a second. And you're going to love her just as much as I do. So today we're talking about church planting. We're talking about Hillsong. We're talking about ARC churches. If there are any bells and whistles going off in your head right now and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, yes. And you got a story and you want to talk to me. Let's do this. Okay. Send me an email. We're going to keep diving into this. As long as there are people that have stories that they want to tell, I will be here to help facilitate that. I do want to give a couple content warnings. This episode does talk about misogyny and white supremacy against women and POC. Please use discretion if those topics are triggering for you. I want to say thank you to everybody who has gone over and joined the Patreon as a free member. Once everything is updated, I will also be releasing free content there and and will also be releasing some Patreon exclusive stuff that has been on there for a while. So stay tuned for that. Michelle is working on a Discord. It's almost done. I'm really excited for really 2024 with Life After MLM and everything that's coming. I know I say thank you a lot, but I just, I really want you guys to understand how much it means to me that you tune in, that you listen, and that you support the show. It is so humbling and so cool, and I just really appreciate all of you so much. The other thing that I wanted to add, and again, another call to action, a listener sent me an article, so I want to say thank you to Kina. She sent me an article about a podcast that came out about a cult in Columbus, Ohio, that used to be known as Zeno's Christian Fellowship, but is now called Dwell Columbus. If anybody has any information about this, I would love to talk to you. If you were a part of this church, I would love to speak with you. 
doesn't have to be on the show. doesn't even have to be on the record. I'm just interested in learning a little bit more about this. I will go ahead and throw the article and the podcast in the show notes so that if you want to look into this cult and do a little bit of your own research, that you can find that stuff a lot easier. Enjoy this episode and I will see you on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. We're going to talk about some more churchy stuff today, but we're going to talk about this weird phenomenon that sort of came across my desk and I didn't know what it was. And I've sort of done some research and I've got somebody who knows a lot more about it than I do, but it's this phenomenon that's called church planting, <laughs> which is kind of like if MLMs and churches had a baby and decided to just put one on every corner. So I'm going to talk to my friend and I'm going to say star of the Hillsong Docs, Janice Legata. It's so wonderful to see you and to talk again. I love every single time we have a chat. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah. Yeah. Life is crazy. <laughs> America is cra- like everything is crazy all the time, but <laughs> we're making it. So could complain, but won't. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a couple different things. I was watching the new Hillsong doc and I wrote so many notes down that I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin with any of this. It's so much. I would say maybe start by watching those. We'll talk about a little bit of everything, but we don't want to give too much away so that we're spoiling any of these stories for you if you really are so inclined to go watch them. I really highly suggest them. I know one is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Where's the other one out at? I think it's on Max, I want to say. It's on Google. It's on Google. <laughs> you can look it up there. <laughs> Everything's on Google. <laughs> It'll tell you exactly where to find it. So we're going to talk, we're going to start with Hillsong. Hillsong is a church that started in Australia mm-hmm. a long time ago. I don't really know much except for what I've seen and sort of read. You are the expert in this. But in, was it 2011, they decided to come to New York City? So yeah, well, 2011, they, that was when we like officially launched. So 2010 is when the buildup started. Okay. And as you watch these documentaries, you learn sort of how the people that are in power came to power. And the man that was the head of the Hillsong NYC was a man named Carl Lentz. Mm -hmm. Maybe people are like, oh, he was the guy that baptized Justin Bieber. He was the guy that got Justin Bieber into Hillsong. That's the Justin Bieber religion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, right? It's the church that Justin Bieber was super into for a while. And Carl Lentz was the pastor. Carl Lentz was that really like hipster tight jeans big serial killer glasses like super high and tight fancy 1920s like mobster haircut guy you know what i mean i mean good looking dude he's talking in the documentary how when he was younger he would go out and talk about you know coming to church and all these young girls would come to the church just to watch him and he got in really young and he went to hillsong college which Mm -hmm. i'm assuming is not accredited no. Because they were saying that like, most of their people weren't even teachers. Maybe similar to Prager U. Yeah. Where it's like just yeah. a propaganda machine of... And specifically Hillsong. And specifically Hillsong. So he went there. He gets in good with the people that started this church. 
Mary's into the whole shebang. It's all these things like very deep. Mm -hmm. And he comes to New York basically and opens up the U S chapter of this. And that's where you enter the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you talk to us about where you were in your life in 2010, 2011, when this was being built up and happening? Yeah. So that's when my Hillsong New York chapter started. But my Hillsong life started in 2005. Okay. When I went to the Bible College. So I lived in Sydney for a few years and then moved to the States a few months ahead of Hillsong, but like not knowing that Hillsong was coming. Okay. So I had come back. I'm from California. But had moved to New York because I had friends that I met at the college who lived in New York. Oh, yeah, it seems like a <laughs> cool place to go. So I'll go live in New York. So I moved back to the States in October 2009. Joined a little connect group for a little church plant that was not Hillsong, but was some Hillsong people. And then in February of 2010, because Hillsong had their Vision Sunday every February. So they, you know, say what we're doing in this next year and blah, blah, whatever. So they announced we're going to be planting our first outpost in the U.S. It's going to be in New York. And so that connect group that I was already a part of became the launch group for that. So I was in, I was part of Hillsong New York before Carl and Laura Lentz. Wow. I was there from day one, day zero. Wow. And what was it like when Carl and Laura showed up? So honestly, like looking at it all now, right? And everybody's Carl Lentz and he's the name. He was nobody. Like he had been a speaker. He had come from Wave Church in Virginia Beach, was a big deal there, and then had gone to the Bible College, had gone back to Wave and was, you know, a big deal. So I had seen Carl Lentz speak at like a youth conference when I was still in Sydney. And I remember just thinking, oh, like he's this skinny guy with this long hair who just talks really fast and like just paces back and forth. So for me, back then, when they first announced, oh, Carl and Laura Lentz, and they weren't going to be the lead pastors, they were just like, oh, they're going to be part of the leadership team. And then a few months after that, they're like, oh, no, they're actually going to be the lead pastors. And I remember thinking, that guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just didn't get it. I just didn't see it. And at that time, the big deal about Hillsong New York was that Joel Houston was going to be a part of it. He was the name that was garnering attention. Like Carl Lentz was like, okay, but who? And Joel Houston was the grandson of the guy that founded it, right? Right. And like besties with Carl. Yeah. Okay. And Joel Houston is, was, and is, yeah, still like the front man of United, which was, you know, the main Hillsong band that was really popular in the States. And that's what people knew. So it was like. Yes. Oh, Joel Houston is is coming. Ooh, okay. Well, that's what I knew is I knew Hillsong is like a Christian rock band. Right. I was in like the pop punk era. We listened to a lot of Blink-182 and stuff. But then you also had like Reliant K and MXPX and all of these like pop punk, which were Christian bands. And I didn't even know. And I just really liked them. So we would go to all these things. And then my friends are like, oh, have you heard of Hillsong? And I was like, what is this? It was a little too much for me. (laughs) But yeah, I remember like my first time that I ever heard Hillsong was music and I even made jokes like what in the Hillsong is this when I would <laughs> hear like music like that you know like just in passing yeah so it was very strange when I was like oh it's a church because I was introduced to it from the music side 
Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be like a really interesting stat to like figure out like how many people, because I I feel like 90% of people first knew Hillsong via music and found out afterwards like, oh, there's a church attached to it. And oh, let's go check that out. But yeah, yeah the music was the main thing. Yeah, I was the one I figured out they were the same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is wild. <laughs> it's connected. <laughs> Color me shocked. <laughs> So once Carl gets to New York and it's not Joel and it's Carl and everybody is all boppity boppity about him. When does Justin Bieber show up? So Bieber showed up like, I don't 2014, 2015 ish. I want to say. So just a couple years into this. Yeah. And like, and before Bieber, it was like basketball players. Okay. So it was like a lot of, the New York Knicks players. It was basketball players. It was like fashion people and just like money people. And so like for me, <laughs> I'm not a sports person. So like you can, oh, they're, I guess they're a basketball player because they're tall. But like, I can't <laughs> tell you anyone's name. Like, I don't care. I don't know these people. But like for the people who did recognize and didn't know these people, like it was like a big deal. And, you know, New York is different in that people basically leave celebrities alone for the most part. And so, like, people would come through, like, Bono would come, like, different famous people would come, but, like, just wanted to be treated normally and would, like, sit up the back, wouldn't come, you know, whatever. And so Hillsong, New York just really started fostering this culture of, like, making it a big deal. So it's like, you can have these people come and just treat it like normal but once you start oh no we're reserving seats and we've got these back stairs and so people we can't have people moving right now because we're bringing this person like really hyping up and making that a thing so it was justin bieber it was selena gomez it was different famous people coming through and then them being really strategic like them making it known you know oh that these right. people are here and this carl has this person's number you know carl is hanging out with this person and is this the same time that he's having these like stadium-sized sunday sermons yeah so i mean we grew so fast so when it started out because you know there's not nobody like owns venues in new york so we're using nightclubs and just different places right. so we first started like irving plaza and maybe like the first sunday maybe they planned for like three services so i wanted to like one one in the morning and afternoon and then like an evening service but within a couple of weeks we're having like six services on a sunday and then for a little while there we were using two venues at the same time so we were having like eight so we were having just we're starting this one at 10 we're starting at this venue at 11 like it was just we were just growing out of control I mean, the stadium that they show in the second doc, the series, it's like, it looks like Taylor Swift era tour. Like it's the same stage that comes straight out and has like this huge thing in the middle. And I'm like, this is for church every Sunday, multiple times a Sunday. Yep. It was humongous. I could not even imagine getting in and out of there every Sunday and being like, can't wait to do that again in a week. <laughs> I, it was humongous. Yeah. And so this is the time when all the select, like the hullabaloo, everybody's coming and just growing, just infinitely expanding like wild. Yeah. 
like I think about it now and I'm like, I wonder how much attention would like it really is the Bieber of it all, right? Like all these documentaries, all of this is because this was Justin Bieber's pastor. This was right. the church Justin Bieber went to. Cause it's I mean, Hillsong is big. It's not the only mega church in New York. I'm sure it's not even the only church that has like celebrities, right? But because they put this in the news, they made it known, it just became this thing. Yeah. I remember even just hearing about it when Justin Bieber was like, oh, Justin Bieber's doing this church and all this stuff and seeing it on the news. So one of the things that really like struck me was the group they called The Five. Five people that stood up and said, shit's going down that we don't like. Right. Can we talk about them? Yeah. Were you a part of the five? I wasn't. But you were friends with... Like, even to this day, I don't know for sure who all all five are. And one of, like, my friend Ajane, she was in the documentary. She's one of the five. And Ajane and I lived together upstate, moved to the city together. It was me and her that went to those first connect groups. So she and I, you know, Ajane is one of my closest friends. And I did not know about that letter and so afterwards. And so it was just like that. That says so much about the culture, even in them writing that letter. Right. Like they're still trying to not taint anybody else's view. Right. And so it's like we all just had this perception that, you know what? I feel like I'm not having a great time. This is not great for me, but it seems to be working for everyone else. So it's probably just a me thing. And so like even with the five like writing that letter and doing that again they're not making it publicly known they're not talking with other people with their friends because then also i'm sure i would ajane probably tried to broach it with me in some ways or probably and i'm so seemingly right sold out and sold into it right that she's probably like no she's not she was like she's not ready for this right right yeah it reminds me of the nexium nine Mm-hmm. It's like the first people to sort of say something's wrong. I don't like the way that I'm being treated. I don't like the way that I'm seeing other people being treated as a woman, as a person of color, right. as somebody who's a minority in this group, as somebody who doesn't feel like I belong. Like this should be my home. And it doesn't feel like that. Right. And I, I could, jeez, oh, I just, some of the things that you say, and it's to me, I saw it so much in MLM. And again, it's the same like hierarchical, high demand control situations with the tokenism of minorities, whether it be people of color or even women or people that had disabilities. Like they were always like exalting people for what they could get out of them. Like, look how great we are. We're putting somebody up who has a limb difference. Look how amazing we are. Look at our great color shade we added two more shades aren't we so inclusive right it just reminds me of that same performance of like look at what we're doing and in the documentary you guys talk about how you voiced your opinion on this and they were like oh my god you're so right and it only sort of stuck around for a couple weeks right before i went right back i mean they just like sort of slapped a band-aid on it satiated you and said hopefully they forget and just moved on like this works best so we'll like humor you for a couple weeks right but we know what works best there were so many similar i mean obviously it's like a cult and the whole thing so there's obvious similarities but there were other similarities like that where i'm just like oh it's these high demand 
control situations and they control us the same exact ways. Yep. They promise us, oh, we'll make it better. Stick around a little bit longer. We got you. We love you. You're special to us. And then you see that you're not. Right. I don't know. At that point, you either leave or you make excuses and double down and say, well, they're trying the hardest. And right. I'm kind of happy here. So I'll just stay a little bit longer. Maybe it'll get better. Right. Yeah. It's the same. When it's religion, right? There's extra layer because on top of all of that, all that dissonance you have already, but now it's also like, ah, but this, it might just be a test of my faith, right? And it might be that that God is using this and the breakthrough might be just around the corner, right? And I just have to stick this out because you would hate to be like, ah, I'm taking this stand or I think this and I leave. And then next week, rapture. Right. <laughs> or, or God finally moves. And, and like, and now you're wrong because God's going to be like, you should have just waited. It's sitting at a slot machine. It's sitting at a slot machine in Vegas and pumping nickels into a machine. Right. That maybe eventually will pay out. You just got to sit there long enough. Right. And heaven forbid you stand up because the next person that sits down is going to win your jackpot. Right. And they come in with their one nickel. With their one nickel. And they win. And you just tapped out. Right. And they're like, what am I going to do with this nickel? I'll just throw it in this machine. Oh my God, jackpot. Yeah, absolutely. It's that fear mongering of like, but what's around the corner? You don't know. Yep. It could be everything you've ever wanted. It's the same manipulation. Yep. It's just, you're selling salvation. So there's that whole, like you said, that added layer of like, but if I'm wrong, I might burn for eternity. It's not like if I'm wrong, I might have to find another job. Right. Or like choose a different lipstick color. It's like my soul is damned. Forever. Forever. I'll never get all the things that I work so hard for because of this one thing. Right. Just takes the one thing and then it's gone. And then that's it. And it might not just be me, right? I might take other people with me and now I'm responsible for these other people. Like if I speak up and I get people to leave or if I get people to think about things and I'm wrong. Oh, right. I'm going to hell and now all of y'all are too. And I got to have that on me. Like it's it's insidious. Yeah. You got to make extra room in the handbasket now (laughs) because you invited your friends. Like, where are we going? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say the documentaries are great and they have a lot of questions to be asked and just interesting things. And we'll get into a little bit more, but I really want to talk about church planting right now because I want to sort of explain how you guys grew so fast and how these churches seem to pop up out of nowhere. And in this sort of church planting phenomenon, how it's basically like the MLM of church. Yeah. Yeah. So explain to us what church planting is and how Hillsong is involved in it. So (laughs) church planting is (laughs) looking at an area, looking at, and, you know, now looking at it and seeing things through the lens of, oh, this is all very strategic. Like they're typically looking at, you know, gentrifying areas, places that either already have money or they know are about to. Right. And then you decide, okay, I'm going to put a church here. And so, I mean, people have been planting churches for as long as America has been here. Right. Like, but in the beginning, 
it was like individuals. So someone feeling like, oh, I have a call from God and I want it. Usually this is the community I'm already part of and they need a pastor, they need whatever. So this is now going to be our church. So now we're in this culture where these churches, so like Hillsong is from Sydney, right? So they started out in Sydney, I think it's 40 years ago now with like, you know, one one campus, one congregation. And then at some point they're like, okay, we're here in the city, but we want one in the suburbs. So now we're going to plant one out there and then expand it just all across Australia. And so it's this idea that I, as this visionary, I have planted my church and the way that we do things, the music that we sing, our theology, what we believe about, you know, everything from tithing to whether or not women can preach and what to do with queer folks and like whatever our specific beliefs are, I believe that this is right and this is the best way to be. And so I am going to take this exact thing and put it somewhere else. You know, it doesn't matter what that culture is into. It doesn't matter like what their typical worship might look like, what their beliefs might be. We're coming in and we're saying, you know, we know the way. Here's a better thing. So it's it's a franchise. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. 
not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton doll, scoop neck tee, and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. You have McDonald's and then you just have regular burger joints, right? And so <laughs> it's a very different thing between saying, oh, I just want to, you know, open a Bob's Burgers, right? I just want to have my little <laughs> burger joint. Or do I want to be part of this franchise? Because with a franchise, right, you've got the brand recognition. Everything's already set up, right? Like, you know <laughs> what your board is going to look like. Right. You know what the registers are going to look like. And also the franchise is going to kick in some money at the beginning to get you set up looking the way that you're supposed to look having the uniforms that you're supposed to have. So a lot of the legwork that comes with starting your own thing, you don't have to do as much because we've already we've got the package. Here's what you do. So you own this. This is yours. But we've got all your regulations. We've got all your rules. We've got all your ingredients. Here's the way that we do it. So that's what church planting is. It's saying, oh, here, we've got this brand. We know how to do it. You want to be a pastor, but you don't want to do all that work and you don't mean be out there by yourself. So put on this uniform, sing these songs, put up these slides, and there you go. It's done for you. Hillsong, New York. Hillsong, Boston. Hillsong, New Jersey. Hillsong, LA. Like, wherever you want to go, we're there. Now, the MLM portion of this is where the money comes in. So mm -hmm. all of these churches that have been planted are now tithing a percentage of their gross income to the original church. Right. You're paying your, your franchise fee, right? Right. So let's say we've got Big Hillsong Church number one. Then we've got like New York Church number two. Now, if I decided that I was part of New York and I was up and coming and I wanted to open up another one outside of New York, that branched off in of New York, am I tithing to New York who's tithing back to Sydney or am I tithing directly to Sydney? So it depends on like Hillsong, New York became Hillsong East Coast. Okay. Right. So Carl Lentz is still over all of these, even though they have kind of their own little whatever. So New Jersey, Connecticut, Boston, they are tithing into Hillsong, New York. Okay. Which is then taking a portion of that and tithing it into Hillsong, Sydney. Okay. Now, when you get outside of Carl Lentz's purview, then it's just going to be straight to Sydney or whoever's next. Because then like, you know, Kansas City, I think they had like a few different branches. Okay. So, you know, those little ones would be tithing to big Kansas City and then Kansas City is tithing to big Hillsong. Wow. But it's exactly MLM, like, right. right? You're... These are my little branches. These are my little downlines, right? Right. Instead of opening up Herbalife Nutrition Shops, they're opening up churches. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Yep. And then they're all tithing up. So there's another church group that I have been looking into 
that I mentioned to you and you were like, oh, that's Hillsong. So can you explain to me how ARC, which will come up, which is the Association of Related Churches, ARC, mm-hmm. how ARC is connected to Hillsong? So ARC, two of their main leaders, the people on their board of directors, are Christine and Nick Kane. And Christine Kane is a big name in the Hillsong world. Like she came through Hillsong Sydney, was in their youth group, was a youth pastor for years, and became one of their stars. And so she now is over ARC. And a lot of ARC churches, right, are in the Hillsong network. Okay. Are friendly churches, which that's another thing. Like you can be your own thing and just be in the network and you still owe Hillsong a fee for like being part of the network. So is that sort of how ARC is run? Is they're not a Hillsong, but they're Hillsong related. So they're within the Hillsong network through, you said the Canes. Mm-hmm. And then they, the Canes are part of ARC. And then there's even more churches underneath ARC that are right. all tithing back to ARC, which is tithing back to Sydney for Hillsong. Right. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> See, I didn't know those were related when I started looking into church planting. It totally makes sense that they're related because they're doing the exact same thing. And that's why when I was watching the documentary, I was like, church planting. I have to ask Janice about ARC churches. <laughs> Oh, another piece of the puzzle falls in my lap. Yeah. And then I wonder sometimes too, because I'm like, oh, did they, I mean, they must know that, yeah, Hillsong is a is a big name and people like it, but then people also don't like it, right? So there are people who specifically be like, oh, I, I hate mega church culture. And so I will never support a Hillsong. But in our church, well, that's not Hillsong, right? Like, right. <laughs> that's something different. This is a smaller network. This is not as flashy or not as whatever you might think Hillsong is. So this is another safer, smaller option. But it's like, no, it's just a different, yeah, a different brand, but it's the same. Yeah, it's just a smaller church from the same network, just a few more separations of Kevin Bacon out. Yeah. It's the same. It's wow. Whoo. <laughs> I love when like things sort of connect. But like, this is a big one. Like, this is a big connection where I knew that I I knew the more I would dig into it, I would find a connection. But another (laughs) one of the things that I talked to about, which was interesting, is the way that the documentary kind of makes you feel a little bit sorry for Carl. Makes you feel a little bit sorry for Carl. (laughs) I know you don't. I don't really feel sorry either. But the way that they it's. It made me think, and I explained it to you, like a Hunbot who's seen the light, Mm -hmm. but not just like a regular MLM or like a Hunbot, like a mega Hun who had a team of thousands and thousands, you know, like people that have courses and like go on tours. It's like that kind of person flipping the script and being like, "Mm, you're dead to us now. Like, we don't like you anymore. You're not a part of this. And then them having to go through all of the fallout of being like excommunicated from their family, from what they built, like, you know, the pyramid they built. Mm -hmm. It made me think of those kind of people that like have those moments of like, Oh my God, what was I involved in? And it's like, I'm glad he's asking those questions. It doesn't excuse anything, but I'm glad that he's asking himself those questions. And I hope they're genuine. I hope he's genuinely looking at the things that he did and realizing his hand in it 
because it made me go, yeah, like he's a perpetrator, but he's also a victim. He's a victim of the Houston family. He's a victim of purity culture in a way. It gets into it in there. He's a victim of all of these things that the church really reinforces as the way, like you said, or the way you do it, the right way to do it. Right. And he really invested his whole entire life into this family, into this church, everything. Like we said, like he married into it, like every part. He put all eggs, every single one of his eggs in the Hillsong basket. And then they were like, get out. <laughs> and so for me, like it really made me think of a mega hun who has to have that come to Jesus moment of like, what have I done? What have I been in? And like I said, it made me feel, I mean, when we're talking about bad, like it's very slivery sliver. It was like a little like, oh, yeah, okay. Like it was that kind of, like I felt bad, but it was a very interesting feeling. And it really made me think of what I say is that people in multi-level marketing, when you decide to join the pyramid aspect of it and try to recruit, you become a perpetrator as well as a victim. It's this really vicious thing. And we see it a lot in churches especially the higher you get up and the way that you put yourself in here, that these, again, these bad high demand control groups use you in that way. And it, it just was interesting to see that, you know, even the mighty fall, like you, you zigged when you should have zagged, you said the wrong thing, you did the wrong thing. You brought too much negative, no matter how much positive you brought, no matter how many Justin Bieber's and Selena Gomez as you bring us, you can't do this other thing that you did. And then the documentary goes into all of the even so much more worse things that were happening behind the scenes. It's just, mm. but in that moment, I had a little twinge of home oh, for him for like a second. And that's because you are <laughs> a, a good person and an, and an empathetic <laughs> human being. And, you know, in, in all my talking about Carl Lentz, I've always said, yeah, he is a victim as well as a villain. I have so much understanding and empathy for him. I'm not empathetic towards him at this point because I too grew up in purity culture. Right. I too went to Hillsong College. I too, right, was under all of this indoctrination. Right. I too was complicit. <laughs> I did not make the money that Carl Lentz made. I did not get the attention that Carl Lentz had. I did not do the harm that Carl Lentz did. We're all victims, but we don't all become villains. And when you do, where we have become villains, right, we're here and we're saying, this is the work I'm doing now because I feel terrible for what I was a part of and I own my part in it, right? It was a bad system right? and it made me a bad person and I did bad things. And now I'm trying to make up for that. Right. And Carl Lentz is not doing that. <laughs> Carl Lentz is doing none of that. He's not doing that. He's just saying, oh, no, guys, here's how I was wronged. And I'm not taking that from him. You were wrong. These are wrong things that happened to you. But you have said nothing to the people behind you that you harmed. You have taken no responsibility for all the damage that you did, for all the damage that you oversaw. Like, it's not just that you were doing bad things, like these abuses of power, the sexual abuse, like all these things, you overlooked it. You platformed people who were doing these bad things. You're still friends with people who did these awful things. Like you, you're talking shit about Brian Houston now, right? but you're not saying anything about your friends, right? The people that you platformed. 
the abuse that went on under your watch, you're not accounting for any of that. So that's where I'm like, yeah, he was a victim, but he was also very much a villain. And he's leaning into the victim narrative and just ignoring the whole villain side of things. Like, (laughs) we don't talk about Bruno. Like, (laughs) he's not willing to do the work to turn himself into a survivor and an advocate. He just wants to sit in the victim and say, I was hurt too. So it's okay that I hurt people. And healed people heal people. And so, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he has a lot of work to do. Hopefully, the steps he made are the first steps in a very long hike around to figure out what actually went down and and what he was complicit in and what he pushed. Like you said, you got to start somewhere. And I really hope that he does the work to be better in this situation because him being able to help validate a lot of his victims, I think would be very helpful to say, I did harm you. I am sorry. I am part of this complex. And I was a cog. I mean, they literally call him a cog in the documentary. And I was like, I say that. Yeah. He's a cog. Mm -hmm. He's a cog in the wheel. He's a cog in the machine. It, it did not work without him. Right. But they were able to replace him. You know, he's replaceable, but it, you need that cog. And he just happened to be that cog for that moment. Right. It is sad. It is really sad. What is he doing now? <laughs> so now, and this is why I, I never believed that he changed, but while I'm sure he hasn't, because he's back at another church on another staff. Doing the same thing. You didn't learn. Like, <laughs> you're just back. And, It's frustrating because it's like that world just allows you to do that. Like, how do you hire somebody onto your staff? And like, and they're playing games, right? No, no, he's not speaking. He's just, he's like a consultant. He's up. And I'm like, how is he, what is he helping you do? First, he never planted a church on his own. He was part of a bad franchise and he left horribly. And like, you didn't call for references, obviously, (laughs) because... So you hired him based on his persona mm-hmm. and based on the fact that the man can draw a crowd. He's got charisma. He always had that. But again, you don't care about what he just did. So I'm like, no, you haven't changed. You're going right back into that same world. Just whoever will have you. And yeah, you're just up to your old tricks. And I get it because you don't know any other life. This is all you've known and nobody is going to pay you as much as you were making for your very specific skill set that does not involve real work. Like No. And even like in the documentary, they're talking about how he wasn't even preaching that much because he was off like being the Knicks pastor and right. he was off touring with these artists who needed an, a pastor on tour and he's partying with these guys and going over here and the people that are coming to Hillsong that like want to see him they're like he's not even here right right and then you're saying that there's two different venues in the same day was he there at that was he like going back and forth in the early days there were probably a few times when he legitimately did all the services but there was a long stretch where we were like who even who is pastoring this church like because he was just traveling and speaking at other churches and yeah helping other churches and just doing other things and so it also kind of built up that exclusivity and that allure because yeah you're coming to Hillsong New York and it's a cool experience but are you going to make it to the service that Carl Lentz is preaching at is Carl Lentz going to be there this week is it 
you know, are you going to get to see him live? Yeah, we had crowds and all of that, but you also had people, right, who were coming to the 10 a.m. and, oh, Carl Lentz isn't here, but I heard he's speaking at the 2 o'clock, so, you know, you might want to come on back. Oh. Yeah, it was, I mean, to look back on it now, like, that was just a bizarre time and a bizarre church experience. So let's talk about your deconstruction and the moment you decided that this was not for you anymore. <laughs> Man, yeah. It's so like, because there is no <laughs> moment, right? It's a series of, oh, I don't like this. This doesn't seem, mm, I don't know about that. But first you got to get through just your own dissonance. And then you got to get through that layer of, but what do I know? And it's not about me, right? It's about God. And it's about all these people getting to know God. So for me, it, I mean, I was all in, right? And I'm ready to do whatever. Whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. And in the beginning, right? No, I don't really like everything that's happening here, but we're a baby church. It's growing so fast. We don't know how to do this and we just got to give grace. So it's just all hands on deck and we're just doing whatever it takes. But then it just gets to a point where it's like, it's nothing but white men speaking, white men getting on staff. And it's it's a very specific type of white man, right? And right. these are not Bible scholars. Like these are, oh, these are Carl's friends. These are just people that Carl likes. This guy is a pastor. And so... I don't know how it looked to just the random observer, but for me, as someone who had gone to Hillsong Bible College, as someone who, when Hillsong started having connect groups, because they would say, we're not a big church, we're a small church with a lot of people. The way we break that up is you go to connect groups. So every week you're meeting with your little group of like 10 to 15 people, and you're going over a study that comes from a sermon that was preached on the weekend. One of Carl's sermons, if he preached, and if not, then, you know, whatever. So for years, I was writing those studies. I was the one doing that. So all of this curriculum that's going out across this megachurch, that's me. Oh, wow. I was writing, like, the little monthly email update that's going out to all the church. It's a few times when, like, Carl needs to send a message to the church, and they're like, oh, you know his voice. You can write in his voice. So I'm writing Carl's emails. Hey, church, whatever. So I'm doing that. I'm doing that for a few years. One of the associate pastors comes to me at some point. He's like, oh, like you do such a good job on the studies. Sometimes when you write one about my sermon, I take your notes and I go back and like it make my sermon better. So I was thinking maybe you could just help me do that up front. Like if you can help me start punching up my sermons, help me write jokes and smooth these transitions and whatever. So I started punching up his sermons and then it kind of switched. So it's like, oh, I'm not just punching it up. Like I'm providing this content and he's, I want to preach about this and I want it to be about faith and hope and give me a third leg. So I'm ghostwriting sermons. So for me, I'm watching white man after white man get platform. They're not great speakers. They're not great theologians. And they're given the opportunity to be terrible, to bore people, to just not have charisma at all. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, I feel like I could do this, but also I can never say that because then I'm not being humble. I'm stepping out of line. I'm not trusting God to do whatever God does. So for me, it became about 
I don't like the way women are treated and I don't like the way non-white people are treated. It's like we're here and we're doing this work and we are just not being given the same opportunities. And so that was in my mind for a long time. But then dissonance on top of dissonance and like they would say things like, you know, it's not about you. God's not going to promote people who want to be promoted, basically. Right. Like like God is looking. God chooses who he chooses when he chooses. And he's looking for a humble heart. Right. So it, it seeds all these things in you where you're like, I'm not getting it because I want it too much. So I have to get to the point where I don't want it and I don't care. And then God will be able to trust me with it. Right. So my frustrations are my fault. My heart's not pure enough. I'm not humble enough. I'm thinking too much about me. So I have to sort through all of that. And then for me, it just got to the point where I was like, okay, no, the question here is, do I believe that every time God wants a pastor, he just reaches into this one bucket? (laughs) So if that's true, then I have an issue with God and I can't serve that God because why would you put me here? Why would you, what am I doing? Like you, you put all of this into me and not just me. There are all these other phenomenal people that you gave all these amazing things to, but every time you want a pastor, this is where you're going to reach. So as a God, like you're not for me or God's not like that. And this is you, Carl Lentz. This is you, Brian Houston. This is you, Hillsong. And this is white supremacy. This is misogyny. This is fat phobia. This is queer phobia. Like, this is all of these other things that you are saying are God. And so in that case, there's no place for me in this church. Like, this is not good for me. I already fight these battles out in the real world. (laughs) But at least at the office, there's an HR department, right? And even if you don't like Black people and you don't like women, you at least have to pretend, (laughs) right? Like... (laughs) The government is going to come in here at some point and say, you cannot just have all white men all the time. I'm sorry. You have to treat these other people better. You just have to. I know you don't want to, but you have to. And in church world, there's none of that. So you guys are just, I'm fighting the same battles, but I don't even, like, there's no one here to fight for me. So why am I doing this? Like, what am I getting out of this? Oh, no, I have to go. This is not good for me. It calls to the quote that you say in the doc that the one that triggers you that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. And so you being so qualified, you're literally writing the sermons and then watching these dingleberries perform them just because they're friends of Carl. Right. They're boring. They don't know what they're doing. They're telling the jokes wrong. They're putting the emphasis in the wrong syllable. It's not great. And you're sitting there going, I could do this so much better. I, those are literally my words. Right. He told that joke wrong. That's not how you're supposed to say it. What is going on? But you also know in this incredibly oppressive system that, yeah, there's no HR department at the church. There's nobody to say, hey, they're not being fair. They're not giving me a turn. They're not letting me try. Right. They're like, maybe you should pray harder. God doesn't like us. somebody that's not humble. Yeah. I could just imagine like having to battle that everywhere and church is supposed to be your safe space church is supposed to be your home right the place that you go on sunday to feel love and worship and be closer to god and the same misogyny racism and all the phobias are still there even worse even worse because this is god ordained right because we're not being racist we're not being misog- this is we're just doing what god is saying this is just what god <laughs> right. likes it's not, not our fault god doesn't like that <laughs> <laughs> i swear to god 
whatever. <laughs> How is this even like okay? Like mm, this is why we make podcast episodes about these topics. So you decide this horse and pony show is not for me. It's not for me. I'm not sticking around. And then what? What happens? I left Hillsong in 2017, so I had seven years, you know, Hillsong, New York. And in that time, other people had left for, you know, different reasons. I had friends who had left, but like most people would just leave Hillsong quietly. And most people had to because they didn't even have access, right, to talk to anybody. So when I was like, no, I'm leaving, I'm going to talk to Carl. I'm going to tell him like, cause you're not going to change anything, but you, you're never going to be able to say, well, nobody ever said anything. Cause that's what you guys pretend like, well, we don't know why people are leaving and nobody, no one said anything. So you're not going to have that excuse. I'm going to tell you why I'm leaving. And Carl just would not meet with me. So it was a couple of months where he just went and he's like trying to provoke me to like do this over text. I'm like, no, like, I just want to sit down with you and have this conversation. So he never would. So I ended up having like what I called like my exit interview with the COO, who was one of my friends from the early days. And, you know, she said to me, oh, I feel about it like Carl, Carl feels. And Carl says, you're not going to find what you're looking for and you'll be back. So we're not even taking this seriously. That was like their final word to me. They really believe, like they said, you know, you're mad about all this race stuff and all this like (laughs) equality stuff. And we're doing better than anyone else on all of this. So you just want too much too soon and you're not going to find what you're looking for. That was their perspective. And even in the documentary, like Carl, when they push him a little bit about, you know, and he's like, I think we did that. Like even that you will still will not acknowledge that you didn't do good. Like, You just didn't. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. was like so pandering to me is how he's like parading around and he was like black lives matter you know i mean all lives matter but black lives matter as well and i'm just like is this how you show the world that you're not like other churches yep because you're saying one thing but you're like acting a completely different way so for the media you seem to be this very progressive left of center leaning church that welcomes the queer community, welcomes people of color, welcomes women, anybody. We love everybody. Everybody's on this journey and we're going to be on this journey together. And that's what they're showing. Mm-hmm. But you who are in the inside, who live in the bones of this organization are like, that's not. <laughs> so they said it. Right. They tried it for three weeks. They went back to the old way. Right. 
the fact that he just per, like paraded that around like i'm doing what i can i said their lives matter what more do you want from me is what it felt like i'm just like did you really say that that's how backwards and how regressive evangelicalism is right like that just by saying black lives matter you are the progressive pastor you are this crazy liberal pastor right and the congregation was like he's so ahead of his time and i was like no he's a couple years behind still actually he's ahead for the christian church Mm -hmm. but he's still a few years behind in terms of just you know like earth right and just like normal society and like the way that most people are handling these issues it just it's very interesting and that's why i said like there was a very small glimmer of like oh but again like you see this hope and then all this other stuff is piled on and you're like okay he's just like keith ranieri he's just like mark stidham he's just like whoever else you want to throw in there as a charismatic leader of something who will look you in the eyes and lie through their teeth to get you to do exactly what they want and what they need from you and then gaslight you on the back end when you're like, this isn't what I signed up for. Right. And it works because evangelicalism, part of the base theology, right, is that we are depraved, right? As humans, we are just born bad and we need a savior to make us good, right? So if that's your base level and you believe everyone is bad, good people want to be good, right? And so when you don't already know that you are good, you're trying everything to not be bad. And you are trusting that other people are doing the same thing, right? So you're coming in and we're coming in with the best intentions, trying to be good people, doing good things. And so it never occurs to us until it's too late that, no, these people knew the game the whole time. Carl Lentz knew we believed we were bad and that we needed him, his approval, right, to make us good. Yeah, we thought he also was on the same journey, right? Like he's, oh, he's making mistakes and maybe he doesn't know. So we just have to give him more time. But no, you guys knew from the beginning that we're here to make money. That's what this church is here to do. We are here to support our lifestyles. And so whatever I have to say to you to get you to do what I want you to do, I'm going to say that. Whatever I have to pretend to be to get people in here, I'm going to do that. And while y'all are trying so hard to be good people that you already are, but you don't believe that because I'm telling you that you're not, we are just taking advantage of you. And we are taking advantage of your trust and belief because you think that we're all on the same team and we're not like supposed to be, you know, shepherds and sheep. Right. But it's like, no, the shepherds are literally just fattening the sheep up to eat them. Wow. Yeah. Whoo. So how long have you considered yourself an ex-evangelical and out and free? After Hillsong, I went and joined another little church plant. So not Ark Orchard Church Planting Group that was here in Harlem. And I had, you know, a Black pastor and he was talking about Black lives and platforming women. And so like on the surface, like, oh, okay. But then there's a whole incident. They like cold the worship team of all the queer folks. So then I was like, oh, that's what we're doing. And it was just something about that incident where I was like, oh, you know what? I have been in church all my life. I don't think I need to hear a man's thought of the week anymore. (laughs) So 
initially, like it wasn't even about God or religion or anything. It was just like, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. So I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm just not going to be a church goer anymore. Yeah. And then once that kind of broke, like it just allowed me to just start engaging in a lot of the questions that I had and a lot of the beliefs. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I'm going to, I don't want that. And then I don't even remember, but it got to the point where it's like, oh, the only thing that's keeping me right is this fear of hell. And once I was like, oh, I actually don't believe in hell because it doesn't make sense. You cannot be an, an all loving, all knowing God. Like this was your best idea. God, like <laughs> that's not. So no, either you're not all of those things or like hell can't be real. So once I didn't believe in hell anymore, then it's just like a free for all. Cause you're like, okay, all these things that I wasn't doing because of all this fear. Does any of it make sense? No. And like, Life is so precious and so beautiful. And I think it's just meant to be better than this. Yeah. So I left church like full stop in like 2019. And then, yeah, by 2020, and especially like with the election, like just all these different things that were happening. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't believe any of this anymore. And I, and it's not even that I don't even believe it at this point like oh, I'm, act- I'm actively against it so not christianity but evangelicalism hate it hate everything about it and am actively anti so yeah so i'd say 20 2020 2021 that's when i was like oh yeah put that x in front of it i'm evangelical all the way yeah the great awakening that always comes back to the bright side of COVID and the bright side of being locked in our rooms and our homes with our thoughts without being able to go to our meetings or go to our gatherings or listen to that one voice you can't get away from. Like you said, like, I don't need the opinions of a white guy every week. Like, I just don't. And to not have that opinion in your ear constantly and to be able to really, for the first time in your life, like have a thought that isn't intrusive with these like, well, you're going to go to hell. Right. Well, what about the fiery pit? Right. Well, what about the souls, the eternal? You're like, ooh, to not have that anymore, to just be like, I'm just going to do this thing because you are a good person. Everyone is inherently good. I think most actually, not everyone, but most people are inherently good. I don't think we're all inherently evil and we need to prove to someone that we're good enough. Right. I think we're already good enough. Yeah. You can falter, you know, I mean... I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows for sure. It's all a gamble and a and a question and a query and an, an idea to explain something that we can't quantify. So what is it and what isn't it not? I just want to be a good person and do good things and like and do good things and enjoy my life. It just makes life easier. Yeah. When you don't have drama and enemies and like, it's just easier. Yeah. When you don't lie, you don't have to remember things like it's you just just exist, you know? I just, your story is so cool. I I know that you're just like, it's trauma. But like at the same time, (laughs) you really had this wonderful transformation to become the person you are. And I've only ever known you as this person. And I just think you're the greatest. So to hear your story and, and the transformation of like figuring out that Hillsong was not for you and that Christianity, well, evangelical Christianity and white supremacy Christianity christian nationalism is not something that you want to be associated with i just love every single time that i hear a story like this and and yours falls right into that category as well it's just 
I'm so proud of you. Aww. I just, you are so cool. And I just really enjoy speaking. Every time we speak, I'm always just like, that was such a good chat. I just really enjoy talking to you. We just have a good time. Yeah. Because you're good people. Likewise. And it's just, the vibes are right. And also like, we all have these similar trauma bonds, even though we weren't in the same cult. It's like the same sort of like control that we can sort of plug into and be like, oh, I understand what you mean when you say that. Oh, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense to me. Yeah. This, but we called it this. Right. <laughs> right. But like the crazy thing, I'm like, no, ultimately, I think we were all in the same cult because the actual religion behind all of this is capitalism. Absolutely. It's all money and people doing these things and hurting people over money. It's not worth it. No. So where can everybody find you on the Internet? So you can find me at God has not given. That is my main handle. And from there, you can find all the other things that I'm into. You've got a great podcast talking about culty things and deconstruction. Yep. I was a guest on it. It was super fun. One of the things that you do on your show that I'm going to steal from you is you asked me a question about when I go to heaven, what does my heaven look like? And it was like, it really threw me off. So I'm going to ask you the same question before I dive into my questions. You show up at the pearly gates, Janice. What does your heaven look like? So my heaven, much like yours, right? It's the people that I love and they're there. I don't need to be with them all the time. I just need to know that they're good, right? That they are in their, like they're having the experience that they want to have. So I just need to know that everyone and everything, right? All my pets and like everyone is well and they are there. but. Ultimately, for me, like I think about the afterlife and I would love to just be music, whether that is me just like living in music, whatever that means, or like actually being music, like coming back as song, as notes, as that type of art. Like, cause I think like music is just this music is what makes me honestly believe in eternity. Cause like just this idea that it doesn't repeat, right? Like people keep coming up with new sounds and new words right. and new ways of putting all of this together. And it makes us feel the way nothing else can. It's such a eternal and universal thing. I'm like, I just want to be that i love it music is transformative it is i could i can hear songs and be transported back to the time that i was at when i was going through the thing that song helped me with and i just love music so much too yeah. so that's a beautiful answer i really like that we're gonna get a little more difficult with these questions give me one word that encompasses how you feel about evangelicalism stunted i Ooh. think it yeah it stunts it definitely stunted me and I, I think it stunts everybody involved with it yeah give me a warning to somebody who is looking into joining an evangelical church like an ark church or a hillsong you don't need it ask yourself what it is you are actually looking for if it's community find it elsewhere if it is salvation, 
you don't need it, but you can find it on your own. Like you don't need, you just, you don't need this. And so allow yourself to explore what it is that you're actually looking for and explore other ways to find it. You don't need it. You're good already. What is one of the worst memories that you have during your time in Hillsong? Ooh, I think they're like, there's just random, like stupid memories. I'm like, I can't believe that person said that to me or I let that person say. I remember, you know, like I said, I was ghostwriting for this pastor, right? For a couple of years. And I remember one time he was so excited. He was like, oh, can we meet up? I have some news and I want to share it with you. So like I left work, like on my lunch break to go meet up with him. And he's so excited. And so Hillsong, Hillsong like doesn't, if you look right, like only Brian and Bobby Houston write books. I think Robert Ferguson, one of the pastors in Sydney, he got special, but like pastors under Hillsong have to like get permission to write books. So like Carl Lentz got to write a book, but like most pastors don't get to. So this pastor that I was writing for, Josh Kimes, he was so excited. And he's like, oh, I've just gotten word to like, not right now, but someday like I'm going to be able to write a book. And so he's like, you know, maybe in like five years, maybe 10 years, whatever. And so you're going to help me with it. Like, I'm so excited. You're going to help me write this book. And I just remember thinking, oh, he thinks I'm still going to be here. Like, we're still going to be doing this in five or 10 years. This is all he (laughs) sees for me. He sees nothing else. So like, that is one of my worst because I'm like, what, what is wrong with me that I have let this idiot have this place in my life, but also like, he really does not see me. Like he does not see any value in me. No. He thinks I have no ambition, like other than to ghostwrite for you right. in five or 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Are we right. serious right now? Oh, oh. He's like, you got to leave work early. I have the best news. <laughs> right. You're going to write me a book in 10 years. You're like, no, I'm not. wow oh my god (laughs) who the audacity (laughs) wow what is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in hillsong Ooh, i think just that these people do not value me do not see worth in me and i have let them affect how I see myself in so many ways. So like, and it goes back to like the stunting, like all of these things is like, I came into Hillsong with like all these dreams and these goals and these ambitions, right. And all these things I do now, right. All these talents that I have, all this stuff that I can do, like, this is not new. This is not five years ago. I just came into myself. Like I've been doing these things the whole time, but Hillsong never valued them. So I didn't. So I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not as smart as I think I am. I don't know as much as I think I do. I'm not as, I'm not really that talented. So just the devaluation and realizing, oh, I have been devalued and I have devalued myself. And like, just realizing that is not enough to stop doing it. Right. So it's still a daily battle to be like, oh, no, I do. I am okay at these things. And even if I'm not, I'm allowed to be bad at things. I'm allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to make this noise and do this thing. And I don't always believe, right, that it's good or that it's worth it, but I'm still, I'm allowed to. And, you know, that's still really hard 
to to sometimes just realize the way that I talk to myself or the way that I down myself is not true. But like those old tapes are still there and they're still playing. Wow. And then my final question is a positive. Give me a positive from your time at Hillsong. The people, right? Like so many of my friends, relationships, that's what I got from Hillsong, right? And that's Hillsong takes credit, right? But it's not because again, we were already good. And I think we would have found each other on the outside somewhere at some point, right? Like Hillsong was just a container and there are a lot of good people in there, but like, again, you don't need the container guys, like the goodness, it's us, we have it and we can take it with us. And that's what I took. So yeah, the people that I love. Wonderful. I'd love to hear that you are still friends and you still have wonderful connections with some of the people that you met there. Yeah, absolutely. That makes me feel good. There's always that silver lining. And I think most people say the people, like the people are the experiences that I got. Like the goodness is all the people that got screwed over too. Like we're all just good people. And we found each other. We found each other. In the muck. Right. Well, thank you so much, Janice. This has been such a great conversation. Like I said, I always enjoy when we have a chat and this was no exception. Same. Back at you. I'm a big fan, big friend. Like I love and appreciate you so much. Like you're just such, just good. You're good. You're so good. And like I said, the vibes are just right. I love and appreciate you too. And 100% about those vibes. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast or visit our website at lifeaftermlmpod.com. You can find all of the links to follow in our show notes. Life After MLM is produced by Roberta Blevins. Audio editing is done by the lovely Kayla Craven. Video editing by the indescribable RK Gold. And Michelle Carpenter is our triple emerald princess of robots. If you have a story about a cult, fraud, scam, or MLM and want to be on the show, please hit us up. We would love to help you tell your story and start your healing journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Hans.